Get your fill of baseball news and beer reviews at foulballarea.com. Follow our blog for the latest news around the baseball world and read about some of our favorite ballpark beers. Tune into the podcast every Wednesday as we take a deep dive into the topics of the day. Stay connected by signing up for our mailing list or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Foulball Area. Now, here's today's episode of the Foulball Area Podcast with Matthew Atkins and Trey Lyle. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Foulball Area Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Atkins. Please be joined, as always, by my co-host, Trey Lyle. And we've got a show for you this week. Uh, I'm not going to say a great show because there's not a whole lot of baseball content going on out there. A lot of college baseball stuff, and we will touch on that. But, you know, we like to focus more on Major League Baseball on this podcast. But unfortunately, that's not happening right now. And we got some really bad news earlier this week but we're going to try to keep a positive attitude about it trey uh it's not a great time to be a baseball fan but how are you doing this week rob manford sucks <laughs> i mean there I you go. didn't get into it but that press conference was a farce like the dude's laughing about canceling games and from what the players say uh, that it appears they're not you know negotiating in good faith it seemed like you know um you talk about it the players left a meeting where it appeared the deal was going to be there and they come back and the deal has changed completely. So, it, you know, am I surprised by Rob Manfred fumbling the bag and, you know, losing kind of the owners losing their biggest kind of piece in terms of bridging the gap to the players and Derek Jeter? No, because the guy they have leading it is just not good, has appeared to like, never be good for the game of baseball. Like, yeah, you're exactly compare him right. to Goodell. Goodell is not, I, he's a little bit more favorable now, but he was like, you know, people did, but he still, you could point out the good things he did for the game of football. Yeah. You know, one thing Manfred's done good for baseball. I can't name. Let us know thing. if you know something at foul ball area at Trey Lyle VT at Matkins in the news. That's how we're starting this. Uh, All he's classic... done is come in, criticize the way the game is played, try to make changes, but hasn't made any significant change. I mean, his biggest thing has been, you know, the, pace the time of, of game, pace of play. And I'm pretty sure they have not made any difference with any of the, the new rules that they've implemented. So we'll see. And now, um... now we're in the lock. And for those of you that aren't up to speed, uh, basically what happened this Monday was originally the deadline to get a collective bargaining agreement done before they would start canceling games. They pushed it back to Tuesday at 5 p.m. Because it appeared the deal was going to be done. Yeah, it, it looked like a deal was going to be reached. Uh, the players' union and the owners were meeting down in Florida at, uh, I think it was the Cardinals minor league stadium, and they did not have a deal done by 5 p.m. on Tuesday. So the first two series of the regular season have been canceled. So we're, we're at the point where we're missing games. And... You know, the players just want to play. And yeah, they're asking for a lot in, you know, in, to, for people like us, you know, regular people that don't make millions of dollars to play a game. It seems like a lot. But when you think about it, it is owners versus workers. Like, that's what it boils down to. People are like, oh, it's just billionaires and millionaires fighting over money. It is, but it's also owners versus workers. And the workers did you are trying see, to get their fair it, share. And did you see that tweet about, um, like people need to stop comparing billionaire to millionaire because it was well, like, yeah. it would take you, if you earned like, what is a dollar a day? 
or something like that. It would, or a dollar an hour. It would take you like 14 days to get to a million dollars. It would take you 35 years to get to a billion. It was something on the lines of that. Yeah, there's a it, massive difference between a million and a billion. And and shout out to the players. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, they the NFL the MLBPA came out today and said they are making a one million dollar fund to pay organization employees like you know basically the people that rely on games happening to get paid they're making a million dollar fund to help those people well that's so, really good because i've seen so a lot not of only not only is the owners not paying the players the players are playing the owner's employees like <laughs> yeah just, i've seen a lot of stories recently about you know like concession stand workers or the ushers or any, people that work this is the first time at stadiums really, during games they don't get paid if there's not a game it feels like this is the first time really in a labor negotiation like this that, you know, and, and, and owners typically say, like, we can hold out because the fan is loyal not to a player but to the city or to the team. And But it appears, I don't know what you're seeing, that a lot of fans are more loyal to the team or the players in yeah. this case, which I think is, again, a reason why, you know, it starts with leadership and you know, give Scott Boris and I, you know, Scott Boris runs a players union, but kind of he doesn't cause it's players, but the board is full of his clients and like give them credit. They are, you know, if they keep holding out, this is going to help them. And yeah, I mean, I think that people definitely are more loyal to players these days than, than the team, the organization itself. I mean, the owners aren't the ones that you go to the game to see. You go to see the players. You care about the players. The, like you know, like the owners own the team. They might have some role in the day-to-day operations, but you go to a ballpark to see the players. No one says, "Oh man, I'm so excited to go to Fenway Park and see John Henry." Like it, the owners. But most of these labor negotiations, eventually, it's like, "Oh, the players just you know, they're getting to play baseball. Like just yeah. go and play. I want my games back." I think the fans are going to stay loyal to, you know, I think granted that it's been kind of a year of like, we're not going to have the game. So fans have been more prepared for it, I think. But it's definitely difficult. Whereas, you know, baseball has become more every year. It becomes basically more and more regionalized and, and the players are, you know, I really are winning this negotiation. Uh, I think the longer it goes, it's going to benefit the players. I, I really do. Players associations from other sports are uh, releasing statements in support of the MLB players. The NFLPA released a statement saying that it stands it stands in solidarity with our brothers at the MLBPA. The NBA Players Association praised the MLB players for their long history of sacrifice for the common good. So, you know, they're getting praise and recognition from other players unions around the, the country, other leagues. Uh, I think a lot of people, I think you're right, a lot of people are supporting the MLB players in this uh, in these negotiations and they had uh, informal meetings yesterday in New York it only lasted about 90 minutes uh, wasn't anything like what they were having down in Florida but it doesn't seem like anything significant came out of that so we're still in this kind of limbo where we're like we don't know when we're gonna have any kind of agreement we have you know the first two series so that's at least six games canceled at this point um, and I would have to imagine the threat of more games getting canceled, you know, is not too far off. So who knows at this point, we're still, like, that's how it's been pretty much all season. I, 
I didn't have a lot of faith that an agreement was going to get done by the deadline and it didn't. So now that's where we're at and we just got to hope for the best and hope that they can come to some kind of agreement. Yeah. We're going to have to get really creative here. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, we're going to watch college baseball. Um, that is true. <laughs> I don't know if you've been watching any. I haven't watched much. I've been following it, though. Uh, no, it's same, been pretty exciting same. so far. I've, I've been a little busy. <laughs> yeah, I know. You've been, been pretty busy at work. Um, and, you know, I'm working this, this late shift now, so I don't really can put it up on my computer at work. But, you know, I have work to do. So I have been following along with college baseball. Virginia Tech is having a great start to the season. They're 7-0. and so far, they haven't really played anybody uh, real, any real big names in the baseball world. They've had series against UNC Asheville and Fordham, and they've also played uh, East Tennessee State. But I think that game actually got declared a no contest because they only played like four innings uh, and then it started raining. They played High Point this past Tuesday and won 10 to four. So they're seven and oh, so far, they have a three game home series against Wright State this weekend. And then a midweek game against East Carolina on Tuesday at home. And then they, they've had all home games so far. They will have 11 home games before they go on the road next weekend at Georgia Tech, open up their ACC play. And Georgia Tech's, you know, pretty good baseball school. So that's going to be their first real test. I so think. is ECU. East Carolina. Yeah, East Carolina, too. That should be a good game. But 11 straight home games to open the season. That's That's got to be nice. That is. And, you know, it doesn't matter to the opponent winning matters. And if you start eight and one, nine and one, that builds a lot of momentum into ACC play. So we'll see what happens. The home run hammer is back. So that's cool to oh, see. I love that. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a good start for them. Uh, they kind of had a similar start last season. You know, they started out hot and then kind of just stumbled down the stretch. And so we'll see if it, it happens again, uh, what happens again. So, um, waiting till as they get in the hard ACC play, which, you know, you face the North Carolinas of the world, the NC States, which looks in, they look really good right now. Um, you look at, you know, Louisville's a really good program. So it's definitely going to be uh, some tough test in, in conference. Uh, one of the players on Virginia Tech's team that is a, a standout player, according to MLB.com, ranked as the number 10 draft prospect this year, Gavin Cross. And he's off to a pretty good start. He's batting 316 this season with a 458 on base percentage, 632 slugging percentage. Still looking for that first home run, but off to a pretty solid start. Another guy in the Commonwealth who is a top 10 draft prospect, depending on what source you look at, he's definitely top 10. MLB.com has him at number eight. I think I've seen him uh, ranked as high as even number three or number two. Chase DeLauder from JMU. He is off to a solid start this season as well as the Dukes are. They're six and three at this point. They've won six, six straight games after getting swept by Florida State in their season opening series. But Chase DeLauder right now hitting 459 on the season with three home runs, 18 RBIs, a 533 on base percentage, and an 811 slugging percentage, showing why he is a top 10 draft prospect. I was lucky enough to get to watch him in the Rockingham County Baseball League a couple of years ago when the Valley League was not playing for the summer. So a bunch of guys that were going to play in the Valley League played for the RCBL, and he just tore up the league, set all kinds of records in the time that he was playing there, uh, helped bring a championship to Broadway. And he, I mean, watching him that season, I knew that he was going places. We were never going to see him in the RCBL again. I think he played in the Cape Cod League last summer. I mean, this guy is on fire. He's definitely a name to watch. Top 10 draft prospect off to a great start. And JMU as well, 
uh, six and three start to the season. So they're looking pretty good. Uh, it's been a, a fun couple of weeks of college baseball. Obviously, you and I being Virginia Tech graduates and fans, we're happy to see Virginia Tech doing well. But I like seeing uh, all the teams across the Commonwealth do well, except for that team in Charlottesville. I I completely agree. Yeah, um, you know, Texas looks really good. So uh, maybe maybe, you know, I think the preseason favorite to win it all. But uh, so maybe, you know, I, I've been doing a little research. So Texas looks really good. Uh, you know, the SEC is a powerhouse when it comes to college baseball. So it'll be uh, pretty interesting to see, you know, kind of the dynamics there. And, you know, can't cannot forget the ladies. You know, Virginia Tech softball is true. Their only loss is, is to number two Alabama. Their only two losses by three runs total so in both games. So, and they're number eight in the country. So, that, you know, they have Keely Rochard is one of the best pitchers in the country. So, um, it, it, it's going to be really cool to see. Uh, how you know both diamonds work out uh, for for Virginia Tech this year? So it, it should be fun. Yeah, you know Virginia Tech softball is always really fun to watch. They're always really good. I hope that they can do something in the postseason this year because that's you know they always just get held up in the postseason and don't go as far as we uh, as we hope or expect them to. So I hope that they can get something done this year because they're always they always put together a really solid regular season. That is a okay by me. All right. Um, <laughs> this is going to be fun with no baseball. No, we still a have baseball podcast. We still have minor league baseball. Yeah, minor league baseball. A baseball podcast without its major talking point. Did you go to any uh, Lynchburg Hillcats games last year? I did not. Man, you got to do uh, that this year. You got to make sure you I get will. out there. It's a nice, it's a nice stadium. Um, City I went there stadium. Once. Yeah, I went there once back when they were a Braves. A Bank affiliate. of the James Stadium, it actually is. Oh, it's nice. Named it, so, uh, yeah, they were still a Braves affiliate when I went there. Saw Evan Gaddis uh, a couple years before he made his MLB debut, so that was pretty cool. Uh, when, when he came up into the major leagues, I looked back at the you know I used to take a scorebook and keep score when I went to games, and so I looked back at the scorebook and saw oh Evan Gaddis, we saw him in Lynchburg, so. That was pretty cool to look back on. Um, but yeah, it was a good time, good stadium. And so uh, cool. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the Flying Squirrels getting started here. They just announced Have yesterday. Have fun, go nuts. Have fun, go nuts. You know, I love that uh, the theme song that they have that they play before and after the games. Kind of, I, I don't remember all the with, words, but you know what it, I know what it ends with. Have, Have fun, fun, go nuts. Go yeah. nuts. <laughs> Hear that 60 times this summer. Uh, changes your perspective. It's a fun time, though. They just announced yesterday they have a new manager. Uh, it'll be Dennis Pelfrey, the new manager for the Flying Squirrels. He was previously the manager of their high A team, the Eugene Emeralds, who he led to a league championship last year. So he's coming in for the 2022 season here in Richmond. That'll be exciting. Uh, here's a little something fun about baseball. And uh, earlier this week in my job at WRIC 8 News here in Richmond, putting together the 11 p.m. newscast. Our reporter talked to the Flying Squirrels president. Um, Parney. Well, the president, Lou DiBella, and then Oh, Parney. yeah, Lou DiBella. Parney's the GM. Yeah. No, so he's not the GM. He's he talked the, to both um, of them, actually. He's Parney is not the GM. It's, um, I've, I forget his title. But he's, he's you know, I mean, he's in charge. He's up there. Yeah. Um, Parney's cool. So our reporter, Ben Dennis, talked to both of them. And city council here in Richmond recently just approved $1.8 million to renovations of the diamond. 
but you know the flying squirrels still want a new stadium so they want a complete you know demolition and build a new stadium completely and that's going to cost a lot more than two million dollars so i wrote this, about this in college i remember this two million dollars that city council just approved is to go to dollars. current renovations and so what lou debella said is this could go to lighting because apparently the lighting in the past couple of years has decreased like 40 percent on the field so they need new lights the diamond and is old. If they put in new lights now, when they build the new stadium, they can take these lights and put them up at the new stadium. So it's not like city council is just wasting money because they're going to build a brand new stadium in a couple of years. This is going to go to new lights now that can also be used for the future stadium. But also Lou DiBella told our reporter that if there's not a new stadium by 2025, Richmond will never have baseball again. So that's got to put some pressure on the city to get something done. And they're, you know yeah. they're working on it. They're asking for development plans from developers to build a stadium and build up the district around the stadium because they want it to be a whole a whole neighborhood a whole area so they're working on it but they got to get the ball rolling here there's another wrinkle to this all right and uh, i would assume state funds have to go into this as well probably the state of virginia is wanting to and and this is like you know governor youngkins talked about it and it's been discussed but the Washington football team or the Washington commanders are looking for a new stadium. Yeah. DC wants it. Virginia wants it. Maryland wants it. Obviously it's, it's looking, you know, the Arlington area I think is where it would be. That might heavily impact having a baseball stadium because if you are from a state point of view, a pro football team in your state is 20 times better a hundred, a billion times better than a baseball team, let alone a minor league baseball team. But I, I, I think both happen because I think Richmond city Richmond will control the stadium more, but it would be interesting to see that, you know, the dynamics play out with, you know, how funding works more on a state level than um, with this, you know, depending on what happens with the Washington commanders and where they, you know, leave the god awful FedEx field. I think I it's the think... first time a new stadium was built and it was worse than the old stadium. <laughs> yeah. I've only been to FedEx field once. It was for the uh, West Virginia game. Our I've never been, but I've, junior I've year seen too many videos. Was, the stadium itself was not bad. It was getting to the stadium was absolutely awful. It was I've terrible. It. it looks bad. Um, I mean, have you seen the, you saw the videos this year of like the sewage coming in, yeah. like busting. Yeah. I mean, it's stuff. got all kinds this of stuff. Like, and, and this is like an 11, what, 11, 12 year old stadium. Like that, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. It's got all kinds of issues. Um, I don't know that a football stadium gets done and, you know, if it did, it would be up in Northern Virginia. I think that, you know, this, this flying squirrel stadium is a Richmond project. I hope it gets done because I obviously want the flying squirrels to stay here. I, I personally do not have any problem with the diamond. I don't mind it. It is an old stadium. I get MLB has certain standards that it wants its minor league teams to have at their facilities. I think a big part I is like the a video board. Of it. Yeah, the like bigger video becoming board. More interactive. Be nice. I like the history of it because I go to games and I think, man, Chipper Jones, Dale Murphy, John Smoltz, Tom Glavin, they all played here. Like, yeah. there's a lot of history there. So I don't mind the diamond. 
I want the Flying Squirrels to stay here, though. So if they need a new stadium, then they need a new stadium. I don't have a whole lot of faith that Richmond will get it done just based on its track record in you know, past projects like the, the Navy Hill downtown area that Mayor Stoney wanted to get done and the casino that they wanted to get done last year. So I don't have a whole lot of faith in Richmond government to get this done. But yeah. I hope that they do. We'll see. That's that's a that's a wait and see kind of thing. That's all I got. So that that's it. Thanks so much for listening. As always, please leave us a five star review wherever you get your podcast. Connect with us at Fell Bowl Area at Matkins in the News at a uh, Matkins News, not Matkins in the News. My bad. At Trilau VT. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening to this baseball list edition, the lockout edition, part one of a bunch of the foul ball area podcast thanks for listening to the foul ball area podcast make sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they come out 